Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Going from consumer video doorbells to facial recognition technology, it's the story of TrueFace AI on today's podcast. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest is Sean Moore, the CEO of TrueFace AI. If you recognize that name, Sean Moore, that's because he's been on the podcast before with this previous company, Chewy. Chewy, if you remember, you uh, you folks who go for those Smart Home deep cuts have that recollection of a previous podcast. You remember that Sean uh, ran a company that was a smart video doorbell with facial recognition. Well, as it turns out, the differentiator in the facial recognition actually became the main focus of the company, and they've relaunched the company under the name TrueFace AI, and they've actually gone after that enterprise market where you can use facial recognition for things like ATMs or getting past security in airports or even comparing faces of actors with other actors to look for similar actors. This is one of the, the use cases that Sean talks about on the podcast. So this was a really interesting podcast. We hear the story of the evolution of this company that was in the video doorbell market and ultimately pivoted towards this more commercial application. And we talk about the idea of using your face as your key, your face uh, as an identifier to get around the world in this world where cameras are everywhere and biometrics is going to be increasingly important. We talk about that. So it's a really interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I want to thank Sean for coming on the podcast uh, it's been a while since I've had a podcast. I wish I was one of those guys that when he's traveling can spin him out. I'm not that guy, apparently. I apologize. Since this podcast and the last, last podcast, I was in New York. Uh, I actually did an event at Samsung's flagship store in New York. We had a smart kitchen event. Uh, they actually showed off their new uh, Family Hub refrigerator. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you who came out for that, I appreciate it. It was mainly press. It was a press event. So you, you probably were in the press if you did come. Um but it was fun. I, I had a lot of fun going to New York. I always like going to New York. We're about three months out from the Smart Kitchen Summit. It's amazing how fast time moves. Um, if you are thinking of coming, you should probably get your tickets soon because early bird prices expire. When you combine early bird prices with the discount code podcast at smartkitchensummit.com, it's a great value. We have some great speakers coming. Uh, you're going to love the folks we have coming to speak. Uh, I think you'll love it. Check it out at smartkitchensummit.com. As always, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do so in your favorite podcast app. If you haven't subscribed to my newsletter on the future of the kitchen, food, cooking, go to the spoon.tech. Subscribe to the newsletter. It's a great newsletter. I'd appreciate it. All right, folks, that's it for now. Let's talk to Sean. Hey, I'm really excited to have Sean Moore, the CEO of TrueFace AI. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And we're going to, we're going to talk about the story, the evolution of TrueFace AI, how you guys became that. Because uh, you were a company called Chewy, which our list, longtime listeners will remember because you've been on the podcast before, as a company that created a, a consumer video doorbell, one of the one of the first, and uh, it was one of these interesting products that had a, a unique differentiator. That's kind of your focus now, the differentiator, facial recognition technology. Absolutely. 
Yeah, uh, definitely a long story. And from, you know, the onset of it in 2012, when we started thinking about facial recognition to when we first started marking it in 2014, we were the only facial recognition powered uh, video doorbell. I want to hear the whole story. And then we'll get into this idea of facial recognition as your new focus. But let's go back. Let's go back in time. You know, you started thinking in 2012 about this uh, with your friend Nazar uh, Chaffney, your co-founder, this ID in 2012. And then you started and created a company called Chewy. And tell us a little bit about those early days and the video doorbell market. Yeah, absolutely. So we started looking at in 2012 um, the the trends of how technology got adopted by consumers. And a lot of what we were seeing was government grade technology that five to 10 years later was being adopted by consumers for mass use and for commercial use. So, you know, we were just kind of tinkers uh, thinking about different things that we thought we could turn into a business and facial recognition stuck out as this futuristic uh, kind of Hollywood driven idea. And uh, we started prying more into it. And so, that's really what stemmed the idea for us to, to try and incorporate it into what we are starting to hear more and more about is the Internet of Things and the smart home. And so when we looked into the market and we saw, you know, one one video doorbell at the time, which was named uh, Doorbot, which is now Ring, um, we recognized that there was an opportunity for us to to advance that technology and to make the machine smarter and to have the machine actually decide who would who would be allowed in and then to customize the home based on that person's identity. Uh, so, you know, 2014 is still a little early and uh, we launched a campaign on our website. So not a traditional crowdfunding campaign, but a campaign. And we said if we hit thirty thousand dollars in pre-orders, we would go ahead and, and manufacture those units. We and at this time, 100. at this time, it was just you and Nazar or were you, had you guys right. got funding? Or was it just tell us a little bit about those what the company was like in 2014? Sure. So, yeah, it was it was still us two living in a studio apartment together, uh, <laughs> you know, Doing that traditional entrepreneurial grind, uh, we had a little bit of friends and family money, uh, you know, just enough to to eat and and to play around with some hardware. But it was just the two of us really, uh, really putting pen to paper and making things work and reaching out to people and networking and and absorbing a lot of information. Uh, so we were reaching out to our local community in terms of people who were in hardware, um, anywhere from uh, guys at T. We were in Dallas at the time, so guys at TI all the way through to Samsung and just trying to understand how we built hardware. None of us, neither of us had any experience in hardware. And so it was a, a big task for us to take on. You had two so big tasks, gotta, right? You had, you had the, the hardware side, but also like this idea of facial recognition is a core technology that's actually fairly complicated. So how did you, how did you ramp up on that? Did you guys have to go and find experts? Talk about that. Yeah, we, we definitely did. Uh, so we, we started reaching out. Was, I mean, a lot of Googling, a lot of research. Uh, face.com was one of the premier providers at the time that was letting startups test their technology. They were acquired by Facebook. Uh, we were actually testing them for a while. And once it got acquired, that was shut down. And uh, I think around the same time, too, is a company called Animetrics out of uh, the East Coast. And they were one of the companies that helped catch the Boston bomber. And so we just reached out to them. Honestly, we just dove into it. We started really learning about how facial recognition worked, uh, what different technologies and different companies provided each solution for our use case. And, and at the time, our use case was identity and then entry. So you know, a bit of identification, then security on top of it. So, yeah, it was, it was honestly just a deep dive, a continuing education for us. We, we really like to learn, uh, the both of us. And so self-education was, was really important there. 
uh, you know, <laughs> you really have to be passionate about something. Like you said, it, it's more than just hardware at the time. It's hardware, firmware, software, and then facial recognition. And when you look at your product at the time, it was a consumer doorbell. The differentiator was this idea of facial recognition, which makes sense. Like your face becomes your key I, I, um, mm-hmm. in a way. I think so if you connect it to like the lock through an API, it makes sense. Um, there's obviously concerns about that. And, and I think we'll, we'll address that as we go into what you guys are doing now, because I think you guys are thinking about how to not to spoof. But, mm-hmm. uh, but it was this market that ultimately became fairly competitive fairly quickly. And you saw like a, a pole position company in, in Doorbot and then later Ring that kind of ran away with the market in a way. Like you look at their Amazon right. rankings and how much they're selling. They kind of started to run away with that market. So when did you realize that, okay, this is a market that's going to be really competitive. Um, they're, they're kind of eating up the lion's share of the market. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got to give Jamie credit. He did an excellent job uh, marketing the technology, making it very easy for people to use. So kudos to him for that. Um, very competitive guy as well. It was, you know, I think it was around uh, t- end of 2015 when we were looking at shipping out our first units when we recognized a trend in the consumers that had purchased our units and started to see that they were more on the dev engineering side than the everyday side. And, you know, a little bit of a, a light bulb goes off in our head that says, okay, we position this as a customization and identification tool for the smart home, but why are you buying this and who's using this? And so digging in more to the customer development front, we recognize that people were using it more for security for Airbnb homes, for their small businesses, and the one-off here or there for customization. But I thought I thought you were going to say is all your competitors are buying your door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They all have oh, Google and Facebook <laughs> and Ring emails. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny. But what you're saying is highly technical people, but and also people that wanted to customize and 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 it makes sense. Like air people that wanted to use it for something like Airbnb. Right, exactly. And so it was a tool that people were using for something other than what we are marketing for. And, you know, we kind of have to leave our egos at the door and, and talk about what the best business is for us going farther or further there. And the best business decision was for us to listen to our customers and cater that product more towards them at that point, which was commercial access control. And, you know, it was a, a tough decision. We put a, a bunch of work and time and effort and thought into how to develop a smart home product. But at the end of the day, uh, kind of like you mentioned, uh, Ring was taking the lion's share of the market and we were providing a fundamentally different different solution that was probably still three to five years out in terms of adoption in the smart home. So you had this kind of point in time, end of 2015, you look in the mirror um, and, you, and you say, okay, we have to change our business model. You probably had some interesting conversations. Did you have to go to any of your uh, your end users, the people who bought it, and say, hey, we're changing? Did you, had you shipped all the products out at that point to your backers? So th- thankfully, we had not shipped the products out. Um, we were still manufacturing them. And so we, we were just manufacturing a small run of them to get everything started. And we did. We sent them all. We, we had never charged them. So that was a, a plus on our side is that we didn't have to refund any money or anything like that. Uh, we sent them all an email saying that we were, we were changing our business model. We were changing the direction of the company and that we would honor the price point if they still wanted to buy the commercial version. Uh, but it would be a commercial, you know, a commercial technology that would work for access control and small businesses. So you never charge anyone. And, and, and did you say we're going to make this product? You said you're going to make this product a commercial product. 
Um, that would be uh, for commercial access control in businesses, in Airbnb, like rentals. What was the, what's, right. what's the idea? Yeah, I mean, that, that was it. It was, we, you know, more, more than anything, the marketing changed on it and the way we represented it changed um, to be a physical access solution. So, you know, it, it paired on top of an HID reader. Uh, we had a, you know, YGAN signal in there. So it just connected to any maglock or smart lock uh, through Bluetooth. And, it, you know, recognize the individual there for the business and let them in if they had permission. And then it, it, it docked it on our, our web application. So you could see in real time who was in your office or who was in your business. Same for Airbnb. You could provide access to that person, uh, that guest for 24 hours, 48 hours, however long you want. And you'd be able to see when they showed up and the door would open for them. Commercial access control means that you have to ultimately start working with access control systems uh, with, with commercial locks for, for enterprises. Who are you reaching out to at that point to make sure that your your video and facial recognition works with what locks? Well, so the, the good thing about what we had is our technology worked with any electric strike. So we didn't have to go through any formal partnerships with any of those companies. Uh, it was just a simple wiring that a installer could do. Any installer that's installed the door lock could do it. Uh, the partnerships that we we went and talked to were on the smart lock side. Yep. So it was Lockatron in August. Um, you know, August at a time was a competitor of ours because they launched a video doorbell. Um, but at that time we weren't in that market anymore. And so we reached out to them to let them know we would be putting together an integration. And if they wanted to be of assistance, that would be great. So, you know, we got those done. Um, and frankly, it was a lot of work uh, to do those integrations. The better environment for us is if someone already had an electric strike system in there and we could just directly wire it to the system. So it's easier, yeah, to basically work with any sort of electric lock, not the smart locks, because it's more involved integration. What's interesting is it sounds like you're working with consumer facing smart locks, though, even though you guys are moving into kind of enterprise. So why, why are you, yep. why are you reaching out to the consumer guys? That's who we noticed a lot of the co-working spaces who we were going after. Uh, they had those for after hours access. So we were just doing what was already in place. And it sounds like, um, in terms of like, uh, other uh, kind of more traditional big three lock guys, um, you hadn't approached them. Did you think about approaching like the, you know, the, the Schlegs of the world? We did. Um, we actually, HID is one of the companies under Asset Boy and we spoke with them a couple times. It was just, you know, I, I don't think at that time it would have made much sense for us to go through that cycle with them of, you know, nine to 12 months to get something on the books for us. Uh, we were trying to act quick and the quickest way is to talk to startups that are doing it and then just put together an integration for those companies. You know, I think if we had maintained in that space for longer than the six months we were there, uh, we would have talked to them more, but at the time it just didn't make much sense for us. So as you're making this transition in the late 2015 and through 2016 timeframe, uh, what's happening with the company? So you, you know, you and, and Nazar are there. I don't know if you had ramped up in terms of employees, um, had you yep. got funding and investors? What was happening with the company, employees, and investment? Yeah, so we did get some investment, um, which we can talk to you here in just a minute um, in terms of total investment. But we did get some more angel money in, and it was to fund uh, the hardware run. So we hired a couple hardware guys on the team, uh, two firmware guys on the team. And I think we were at one point a team of eight or nine. Um, so, yeah, the team definitely bulked up, and we were full speed ahead. And this was after the pivot. You you had right. had these guys to ramp up around the more 
commercial facing access control and 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 so did you actually make that run you make that commercial hardware with this this team you put in place yeah we did okay um, we did so i mean that that was being piecemeal that team was being piecemeal together uh throughout that process but at the height of it i think we were eight with one contractor uh, so, you know, it was definitely a, a big operation in terms of getting hardware done and shipped. I mean, custom hardware manufactured and shipped out. And so when you look at what you guys are now today, when you reach out to me, you, you, the company's name is Trueface AI. Is it a different company now? Like, have you further evolved down towards like closer to like an ingredient technology provider or are you still yeah. like making a solution that's sold into businesses um, talk about where you are today where you, versus where you were maybe a year ago. Sure. So, uh, we made the, that, yeah, we made that decision not too long ago and then went through the whole process of learning exactly how installation worked and what the customer wanted, uh, from a access control standpoint. Um, we were in the final round interview for Y Combinator, uh, just a couple months back and, um, we ended up not getting accepted due to a, almost a formality on the application and they questioned our um, perceived uh, commitment to their program. And that really kind of drove us to, to step back and, and kind of relit the fire. And we said, you know, how can we, first of all, how can we prove them wrong? Uh, and then how can we turn this business into, into something very profitable very soon? And again, it was a tough decision to drop the hardware. And so the way we looked at it was we've got this, you know, this five year, you know, five years now of industry knowledge about how people are using facial recognition. We've got this core technology that people are wanting. And with hardware, they want us to customize everything for them from the install, the install installation all the way to the web application. What if we stripped that core technology out and created an API that anyone could use it? So we cast our net a lot larger and now we've got a, a solution that they can customize to their needs. And, you know, it, it it was a big relief off of our backs to, to kind of be done with the hardware side of things. We still have the units. Um, there's still a few units that are up and running. I'm actually in a, a workspace right now that uses it for entry. I got about 80 people a day coming through here using it. So it was an emotional decision to get rid of, but it was that, is that point in that Y Combinator meeting where we saw a better opportunity for the business. And, uh, it was, you know, everyone's got to get on board. We've got to cut some of the team out just because they're hardware focused. So thin things back up and, and get to it. And so, you know, after having tested all these facial recognition providers in our systems and developing a, a tough use case for it, which would be access control, we understood what was lacking with those solutions. And that's when, and we'd already started building out a spoof detection layer to go on top of the solution we were using. And by spoof detection, I mean, if someone holds up a picture, we identify that that's a hack attempt. Uh, no one else out there is, has been able to figure that out purely with software. And so that was kind of, you know, the first thing where we said, well, we already have a step up or, you know, a foot ahead in this, in this race because we've already done that. Now can we put together an API that provides a solution that, that anyone can use? And so we've got, you know, we launched June 28th on Product Hunt. Um, and since then, we've got over 200 API key requests, uh, roughly 30,000 calls to our endpoint, and one of the largest telecom providers in the U.S. testing our technology. 
that company with some airlines, uh, people in the banking industry and the healthcare industry. So we went from, you know, making one by one enterprise sales to, to small businesses to having, having clients come to us to want to test the te- technology. Uh, so it's, it's been an incredible shift in, you know, I almost have to thank Y Combinator for lighting that fire for us. Sometimes your um, fa- failures or uh, the one door closed leads to another door open. And what other product do I want to insert there? But, um, <laughs> but so we are truly looking at like you guys becoming a, a, a facial uh, recognition, facial detection uh, uh, service provider in a sense that like you're going to have this layer of software and service that you layer on into any sort of use case. So it could be someone like an ATM. It could be something like uh, that's employed in a security situation, like in an airport. Is that kind of what you're, you're, those are the target markets you're going after now? Yeah, they are. Uh, what's great about it is it, it, it works in, in any type of market. So we've got those that we're testing with the two that you just named. And then also there's a company that's about to launch here uh, called FanGage that's doing celebrity and um, athlete digital signing. And they're verifying the athletes with the facial recognition. So, you know, it's the, the, the applications for it are endless and we want to just be the provider of that, whether they want face detection, face matching, face identification, the spook detection, or even the raw landmark detection. We want to be that facial recognition as a service company for that. So lay out the landscape, right? So, you know, you guys had enabled or kind of evaluated the landscape of companies that had this technology. You said you talked about the one uh, company with the the technology that identified the Boston bomber. You built upon, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess, services on upon some of these core technologies, or, or maybe one of these providers' core technologies, including the spoof detection. Or did you develop your own core facial detection and recognition technology? Right. So we we took the the knowledge that we had after testing all these technologies. And then built our own based off of some information we found online. So it's completely powered by deep learning, uh, but it is all our own. And did you have to go out and get uh, some experts in terms of building that? Or did you guys have – talk a little bit about that process, how you built your own core technology? Sure. So our, our CTO and Nazar uh, spearheaded the whole thing. Uh, he's written pretty much all of it. But we did have some consulting, some PhDs and computer vision help us along the way. Okay. And so when you look at what you have, are, who is your competitors out there? I mean, I, I know that uh, Amazon has their suite of AWS uh, machine vision tech, uh, right. machine vision suite called recognition. I would think that they're maybe one of your, first, kind of your big ones. Yeah, they are. Um, and, you know, a great team. I know the guys there. They're awesome. Uh, they're one of our big competitors, Kairos. Uh, they're also one of our competitors. Again, I know their CEO really well. He's helped me actually throughout 2014. So I couldn't be more thankful for what he's done. They've got a great product. Uh, you've got Microsoft on there, Google on there, uh, Cognitex on there, uh, Face Plus Plus is on there. So, you know, each and every one of these companies provides a different type of solution with different benefits and different costs to it. Uh, we are, as far as we know, the only ones that provide that picture attack detection, which Based on our industry knowledge and our experience of having to create hardware, uh, you know, none of these other companies really have done that with the exception of Kairos, I think had some hardware at the beginning of their stages, uh, probably don't understand that, that customer market as well as we do because we were the ones creating that solution end to end. So that's why, you know, we focused on that picture attack detection first because when you talk about an ATM or you talk about entry into a business or a mobile boarding pass, you need to have those parameters in place to make sure that that person is who they say they are and that it can't be tricked with a picture of an ID or someone holding up a, you know, a photograph of you on a printed piece of paper. 
Let's talk about that. So that's your big differentiator, right? This idea of, okay, people could basically trick the facial recognition system by holding up a picture. Uh, I think you guys have even documented how people were tricking uh, this idea of like, you couldn't use a picture. Uh, someone would have a system where you had to blink, uh, but the people right. were figuring out ways how to hack around that. And you figure out how to prevent that. So talk about this idea of like uh, preventing uh, the, the, the tricking by using pictures and, and images. Sure. Uh, so without, without disclosing what we do exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah do, I'm not asking, uh, just, you know, yeah. what were, <laughs> what was the thinking and kind of like, uh, how did, how are you better than other systems in terms of like, why haven't they done this yet? Sure. So I, I think a lot of the companies approached it with what other sensors can we add on top of the hardware? Uh, would a 3D camera be better? Would an extra sensor be better? And we looked at it as, well, we've got, you know, how many cameras in the world today at each and every business, on each and every phone, on computers, you know, we can turn those into security devices uh, using just software only. So without having anyone do anything else with the hardware. And we just really took a deep dive into how do we understand what is in front of that camera? And that is, you know, where our thought process really started and, and how do we yeah, I'm trying to be. No, I get it. I mean, be I, as specific as I can. Yeah, I mean, I think that like a, I mean, I would think you'd be able to detect like the movement of the skin, right, and the movement of the eyes that would. I mean, maybe that's what you're <laughs> getting yeah. to your technology, right? But, but uh, that's probably what you're doing. You're probably analyzing those things to make sure this is a live human, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're doing a bit of that, and we're understanding the the background as well. Um, so we're we're taking into consideration the entire frame and understanding what it is about that should be there and shouldn't be there. And this idea of like the face as the key, the face is like your identity, um, I think is going to become more and more important um, in, in a world where, you know, pa traditional passwords aren't working in a world where like cameras are going to start to be everywhere. And this idea of like, we want just contextuality built into the experience uh, of smart devices and, and our, our buildings around us. So, I see a lot of opportunity for you guys. I'm sure you guys are, are, are you seeing lots of conversations that you're having with these different providers that say, Hey, we want to use you guys for just building interesting experiences. I'm, I, I just imagine the calls are really interesting right now for you guys. Yeah, they're, you're absolutely right. They're all over the board. Um, and that's what's kind of cool about what we're doing is, is now that we've stripped that hardware piece off is we can support all those. And it's, it's interesting to see the different applications that people are, are applying uh, to this technology, anything from uh, we had a call yesterday with a company that rents exotic cars and they want to be able to check that person in and match it with their ID picture. You know, that's a very cool application of the technology. Um, there's another casting company that wants to match uh, actors with um, some of the, the actors and actresses that are, that are up and comers to, you know, 75% of this looks like Matthew McConaughey. Um, and, and put them in there. You know, it's, it's funny, but that's, <laughs> that's the world we're living in. And, uh, and I think that, you know, as we continue to grow this out and, and show the applications for it, we're going to keep seeing more. We, um, we sponsored a global AI hackathon in, uh, in June in San Francisco. And one of the companies that used our technology, uh, they actually placed third, but they paired it with a Clover point of sale system and used it to protect against credit card fraud. And so you insert the credit card and your picture was tied to that card. It matched you at that point of sale and verified the purchase. 
So, you know, everything from that to ATMs to airports, like I said, to gym check-ins, uh, all the way through to there's this really cool company out of LA, uh, Check BAC, that they're doing uh, mobile, it's mobile, uh, Bluetooth enabled um, breathalyzers for probation officers. So, you know, if you've got a DUI or anything like that and you've got to show up and uh, show up in court, get the breathalyzer, all that, it's now a mobile device that if you're at your home, you can blow into the record 10 seconds for the video that gets sent to your probation officer. That probation officer has, has to watch that footage and approve that it's you. Well, they're, they're tying our facial recognition in there to completely automate that entire process. So, you know, the, the applications truly are endless in, in my opinion. And I think that as we see facial recognition become more widespread, um, I'm sure you've read and heard about Apple talking about how they may do away with the fingerprint scanning and implement facial recognition people become more comfortable with this technology. And, and I think it's, you know, there is still somewhat of a privacy concern, but when you factor in security uh, prevention of any type of issues from happening, uh, negative issues, then, you know, and convenience, people are willing to to adopt this type of technology. Yeah, it's just, there's really no difference between your fingerprint and your face in the sense that, like, it's just True. a biometric print. It's just a biometric identifier um, I just think we're not as used to it, right? It's, it's just, right. it's weird that we have to look into a camera and, and, and the, the machine, the computer says, yes, this is that person because we haven't made that mental right. leap yet, but I think people will get there. I do too. And, and, you know, fingerprints, it's, it's literally the exact same thing. <laughs> it's a, it's a biometric form. And you'd think with all the selfies people are taking and the pictures they're posting on online that they'd be comfortable with it by now, but I think we're, we're close. <laughs> and this is a question from a, 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 someone who's not steeped in this every day, but like, say, I mean, say you haven't opened your, your, uh, your, your cabin, you know, this is 10 years from now. I had this like facial recognition on my cabin. I have, I've been, haven't been there for a couple of years and I've aged remarkably. <laughs> Does this stuff understand aging or the changes in appearance of a person? Is it focusing in on like the eyes and the, the, the distances and the space of the different identifiers on the face? I mean, you know, see, like how do people's faces change? How does this move? How right. does it recognize that? It does. Um, you know, if, if you hadn't say gone to it for a few years, uh, the confidence is going to be lower. But the way we have it working right now is that it continues every single time that you show up, uh, to that, de- to that device or wherever that is or that login, that check in, we are retraining the data. And so we are constantly making our, our, um, algos better and more improved based on how frequently you're showing up so that we can learn those changes. But I might, I might want to lay off the, the Botox and, (laughs) and the tanning bed though. Like it might, it might not be able to handle the Botox though. I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're structurally rechanging your face, it would be slightly harder, Um, but you know, yeah, again, it's, it's something that we just, we learn in time, we learn with time. And so we're constantly retraining and constantly improving what we have on our side. Hey, well, Sean with TrueFace AI, people can find you at TrueFace.ai, right? Yeah, www.trueface.ai. You can find, actually, you can find, you can test our API there if you request a key. Uh, we've got a freemium tier, so we want people to test and develop with it and tinker around and provide us feedback on it. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Sean. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, always, always happy to talk. So thank you. All right. That's it. I want to thank Sean for coming on the podcast today. I think it's an interesting story. Hearing the story of a pivot and a company that's kind of been reborn as a new company uh, that's doing well is always encouraging, always good to hear. 
so yeah, check them out. Go to Trueface AI, see how they're doing. Check out their technology. They have a free tier if you want to check it out yourself. All right, folks, thanks for listening to the podcast. As I said, please uh, subscribe to our newsletter. Go to thespoon.tech, check it out, subscribe to the newsletter. I always appreciate it. If you want to follow me on Twitter, just go to Michael Wolf. Find me at Michael Wolf on Twitter and uh, tell me what you thought of the podcast. All right, folks, that's it for now. We'll talk to you soon.